technology. I had a bit of a shock this morning. Um, I went done a bit shopping in France yesterday and was tasting a bit of sausage that was being handed out. And um, I said, oh, it tastes very nice. So I wandered off around the shop. I said to Margaret, you go and try a bit. So she went and tried a bit. And um, it was mm, very nice, very nice. And it wasn't until this morning um, that I was handed the sausage. Do you know what you had yesterday? Because someone walked off home with it last night. Apparently it's horse meat. (laughs) (laughs) It's horse meat. And later on, I'm going to talk about a man from the Bible who had a shock and his face went white, um, but not in the same sort of situation. Um, so you, you need to have your ears open this morning. In a moment, Ivan's going to read um, a, a Bible passage for Helen, so we're just got to wait for her to come back. Um, so in the, in the meantime, I do what I very often do, and that's waffle on for a few moments, <laughs> or maybe an hour or two. And, uh, <coughs> and so you sort of get, get the gist of what's going on. And uh, last year... Um, uh, John and Joe, Margaret and myself, we went to Canada to a Christian conference there. And then after that, we went um, for a few days for a holiday um, further on in Canada. I can't quite remember where it was now. Pardon? Collinwood. Collinwood. So if you've ever been to Collinwood, that's where we went. Um, and so I, I thought I'd bring a few pictures this morning just to, to show you that. Um, I don't know if it, the first one will come up, will it, Paul? We're going to have to switch over and try a bit of technology here. Oh, yes. So we went round this very large park and went to some different places, up some long wooden stairs and down into some caves, and um, we enjoyed ourselves. John looked a little bit amused there <laughs> as to what's actually, was that what's actually going on. But um, anyway, that's what happened. And uh, there we go. <laughs> that's the one. Long. Now that's Joe. And John has gone into the cave. And um, you just about see his blue coat there. Uh, but there's a notice on the side there saying natural refrigerator. <laughs> and if you went down there, it would be extremely cold. You only poked your nose in though, Joe, didn't you? Yeah, but um, the notice, and as we went on around this park, we kept on seeing all these notices posted up wherever you went, and um, my notice is like this, please read, I'm going to read it to you. Notice to scenic case patrons, running, hiking, shoes required, Exclusion of liability and assumption of risk. Now, I don't know quite what you make of that. And if you read it as it gets, please read carefully. Uh, And so, as you can see, I read it carefully and took a photo of it. And it says, as a condition of the use of the scenic cave facilities, the holder assumes all risk of personal injury, death, 
or property uh, resulting from any cause whatsoever, including but not limited um, to inherent risks of natural or man-made objects, sightseeing or other conditions, varying or steepness in terrain, exposed, then it goes on, holes in the earth and travel without. And so the owners of the park were saying, I don't want nothing to do with you lot coming around here. You go around this park, you go at your own expense and at your own risk. As God looks at his world and sees all the risks we're taking, all the things we're doing, the mess that it's in, he doesn't put up notices like this. He said, I love this world which I made and created and I take full responsibility for the mess that it's in. In actual fact, I will actually help you over the difficulties that you experience as you go round and as you live your life. And that's what Helen's testimony is this morning. She's come to know a God who took responsibility for her and has taken responsibility for each one of us. I think that's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Full responsibility. Why do I say that this morning? Why do I say it? Because you hear things like this. There's someone up there that doesn't like me. If God's a God of love, why does he allow all this to happen in his world? We hear things like that. But my job as the speaker this morning is to bring to you God's promises and the word of God and to say to you, when we look at Jesus... That's God's message saying, I've taken full responsibility for this world I've made. I've seen the mess that it's in. I've seen the mess that the people have got themselves into. And I take full responsibility for it. And so the message, the gospel message, which Helen's celebrating this morning, why she's been in here. Wasn't too cold, was it, Helen? No. Good. Years ago when we used to do this, we never had means of heating the water when it in. So you see the shock of going in the water was very, very big. A great shock. So glad it was warm for you. But just hold on to that point for a moment, will you? God has taken full responsibility for his word. And the writing's on the wall about that. The Bible says this. God has spoken in the past to all sorts of peoples and in different situations. But in these days, he's spoken to us by his son. Jesus. And that's God's writing on the wall to the world today. That's his writing on the wall. Not a cop-out, not rejection, but taking responsibility for you and me this morning. I think that's absolutely fantastic. You say, well, David, would you make sense of what Helen's been doing this morning? Well, Simply, I just want to, the symbolic thing about this is, it's like, it's just a, a symbolic thing about being buried. Okay, you go under the water, you come back up again, and it's just saying, I myself die because I've taken Jesus as my saviour. Therefore, all that I have in my life and all that I want and all I ever be will be him, just as he was raised from the dead because of his resurrection. And so it's symbolic but it's also spiritual. It's also spiritual because this event taught in the Bible 
is marked in heaven. And when a person does it, it's God saying, I know that person is serious about me. I know that person has committed their life to me. There have been people that have been baptised and and done it without being serious. But I know Helen's serious this morning. I know she has a testimony. I know that's what she wanted to say this morning. Look, everybody, I've taken Jesus as my saviour. Why don't you do it too? Why don't you do it too? Okay, Ivan, let's have this reading. Helen's back now. I'm sure she'll be glad to hear what you've got to... Ivan's chose this all of himself. He's from Brazil. He never knew he was going to stay here till he found a young lady. Now he's here for good. Well, yeah. <laughs> but I we don't something know. something to share with Helen, me and Sarah. So it's just in the, chat, in the book of Romans, chapter 8, the, from the verse 31 to 39. It says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Sword, is it as it's written? For your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For our persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. His English is improving, getting very good, isn't it? (laughs) But, Ivan, it's persuaded, mate. (laughs) You know, like, Sarah didn't need any persuasion. You didn't... Right. The writer was saying, I'm persuaded. And it it takes a lot to get us people persuaded that what God's done for us is real. It takes a lot of persuasion sometimes. An awful lot of persuasion. Anyway, let's see if we can get this technology to work and go on a little bit further. I want you to join me, please, if you would, in a few days. Oh, the smart, the hard part is over. Oh, yes, of course, that's right. Join me with you um, for a few days' work in Sheerness Primary School, um, where I had to go and to sort out a mess. Lights hanging down from the ceiling. Wires all over the place and a danger to anybody who entered a building. What a mess. What a mess. Wires everywhere. Dangers everywhere. Things left unfinished. Not fit for the future. It did get done on time. And the children were able to go in. But they gave, they gave us um, 
an awful time to get it ready on time. They were horrible. <laughs> Absolutely horrible. But yeah, it wasn't fit for the future. And I find, you know, as I go about and I talk to people, that a lot of people aren't fit for the future. They know nothing of the future, of what God has planned, the great goodness he's poured out on this world, and the things he's done for us. He's a great God. You know, someone said to me the other day, there's many people in the world who don't know who to thank. When something good happens to you, have a good day like we had out in France yesterday, who do you thank? You really enjoyed it. God gave us everything to enjoy. But we still look at the world, lots of things to enjoy, but we have to say, what a mess. What a mess. Time is ticking by. And so I had the caretaker down my neck saying, are you ready yet? No, come back. Come back another day. Teachers were getting very anxious. Piles and piles of books were coming into the classroom and we had no room to move. And um, so I was getting, we getting a little bit cross here and there, you see. New uniforms were being bought by the mums and the dads and time for everything to be put in place for the new kids to arrive. It was ready on time, just at the right time. Notices going up, all the reminders in place. And if anybody's ever been to school, do you remember the things that were put on the wall? No, was that no, Paul? <laughs> we're getting a bit of a long time ago now, isn't it? <laughs> all the reminders put in, and children need to be reminded every part of the day what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and to do it in the right way. So let's have a look at one or two of those notices for a minute. But what are these going up? on the wall. Self-control is knowing you can, but deciding, <laughs> but deciding you won't. Now, if I was to come round with a bar of chocolate this morning, I know that there's a lot of people here sitting in on chairs this morning would not find the self-control to be able to do that. <laughs> knowing you can, but deciding you won't. There's a picture of the dog there chasing the cat and the cat chasing the mouse. And, um, you know, as, as you say, well, this is going up in a school. What sort of children are these? <laughs> and with the other notices that we're putting up, line up sensibly. We've actually put that out the back this morning when the food comes. <laughs> okay. This is a good one. I like this one. Don't explode. Talk first. You know, anger's a big thing in our world. I never forget the roundabout in Herne Bay when I saw two cars right stopped on the mound. There's a big van behind this car, and the man in the van behind got out, opened the door of the car in front, pulled the man out, whacked straight in his face. Whacked straight in his face. And another, I don't know if anybody remembers this, you touch my car and I smash your face. Do you remember that one? You touch my car and I smash your face. Don't explode, talk first. And here are children in a school and they have to be reminded that underneath all this there's an anger going on that needs to be controlled sometimes. 
listen to the person speaking. <laughs> I think my wife would say that to me quite a bit. Listen to the person speaking. Ivan, if it's anything, one word of advice. <laughs> when people used to, the men and the boys and the girls used to have long hair, they used to say, how do you tell the man apart from the woman? They say, the one who's listening is the man. Listen to the person speaking. God has clearly spoken to his world, but no one seems to be listening. Like this one. Listen to someone who disagrees with you and respect their opinion. (laughs) That's a good one for church, isn't it, really? Listen to someone who disagrees with you and respect their opinion. I thought to myself, what sort of children are coming to this school? I'm not having a go at children, don't forget me. But, you know, we just have to remind of these things, you know. But I think it's us adults sometimes that need to remind of these things. And so what I'm saying is, there's another sort of mess going on underneath in society that needs to be sorted out. And I'm not talking about the fact that we need to do all these things. This one says, if you want to have a friend... No. What does it say? The only way to have a friend is to be one. Abraham, a man in the Bible, several years ago, he was called the friend of God. That seems to be a strange sort of understanding that people have about God today. But you know, the fact is that Helen's found a friend in God. Someone she can talk to, someone who gives her good advice, someone who helps her. She's found that. And it's all because of Jesus. Because Jesus came here and showed what it was like to be a friend. He was a friend to his disciples. He was a friend to people who needed help. And so the only way to have a friend is to be one. And I thought to myself... It's an excellent sort of message to boys and girls, isn't it? You know, I don't know if you was a lone child at school, you know. Many people were lone child at school, especially today when there's bullying going on as well. You know, it's a friendless place sometimes. Who knows who can work out the issue of friendship? Being a friend to other people and knowing friendship. Many old people today, shut away in their homes, not able to enjoy friendship. We all smile in the same language, and that reminded me of the dogs when they bark. When I go to France and the dogs bark, are they barking in English or French, you know? (laughs) But a smile is a smile, isn't it? And really, it's the whole concept being given to children, there is a different way. There's a different way. A mess underneath that needs to be cleared up. And this one I really like. The hand of friendship has no colour. The early church had to deal with discrimination 
and also today's church has to deal with discrimination as well. It's very easy to discriminate against other people. But why, why am I showing these? Really because our world is in a mess. And it's not because of God, but it's because of us. And because of the way that we go about living a selfish life. But the hand of God has reached down to the hand of man. The Bible tells us that God has reached out from heaven to hold the hand of man so that he might know a different way. I think Helen would say, my hand has been put into the hand of God. Lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. Do you want to help her today? Do you want to help her today? Not do you want religion today. Do you want to help her today? Jesus, when he came, showed what it was like to be a helper. The writing and the words are on the wall. I just want to read to you a passage from the Bible. Time's going very quick, and I don't want to keep you long and getting fidgety in your seats. As a church, we're looking into the Old Testament and going through that. And um, although we won't come across this man in where we're looking at in Ezra and Nehemiah, about the same time there was a man, a godly man called Daniel. And God had used him to speak his words to the people. Pretty similar to what I'm doing this morning. Being used to tell you the words of God. The story, I don't just tell you about the story. It's called Daniel. And this king, Belshazzar, he, had, um, he was a king and uh, he was doing things that really didn't please God or the people very often. And he had a bit of a reputation. And at that time, um, if you know about the Old Testament at all, God had a temple and in that temple there were vessels which were used for the honour and the glory of God. And because of the fighting and the war that went on, these vessels had been taken out of the temple, out of the house of God, and they'd been hidden away. And this King Belshazzar, he was having a party, a real good party, a bit worse than some of all the parties we might have today, sexual type of party, you know, really with horrible things going on. And uh, he said... We're drinking fine wine today. Let's drink them out of the vessels that belong to the house of God. Let's use them. Let's laugh in the face of God for a moment, shall we? Let's laugh in the face of God. And so they brought them out. And as they were going through this party, all of a sudden the king's face went white. A shock. Because the hand of a man appeared and started writing on the wall. The writing words on the wall. We could say that this morning, as we read this book, as far as God is concerned, the words, the writing and the words are on the wall. As we look at Jesus, the writing and the words are on the wall for all 
to read. The whole point about it was that this man had a dream. And uh, he called in his astrologist, and he called all his wise men, and he said, I've, I've had a dream. It's a long, long story, isn't it? Does it catch you out, Fred? Oh. The writing on the words. He called in this man, he said, a man's hand has come and written on the word. And he said, no one can tell what they mean. Would you come and explain them to me? Because I've heard that you're a man of God. And so he called him in. The first thing about these words, they were in his own language. Three words. Meanie, meanie. And I'm not talking, I'm not at school now, all right, calling the other person child meanie, meanie, all right? Meanie, meanie, tikal, fasim. And there were three separate words, two of them repeated. Numbered, numbered, weighted, and dividing. You say, I don't understand that. No, I don't understand it either, and neither did he. That's why he called Daniel in, to interpret the words which were on the wall. Numbered, numbered, weighted, Dividing. And maybe you're like that with God. You've heard lots of words out the Bible, but you don't know really what they mean. And so Daniel was brought in to help the man understand what God was trying to say. When Jesus came, he spoke the words of God. And when he came, he gave understanding to the words that were written. That's how God helps us. That's how he reveals what he wants to say. The interpretation came through a man of God who explained that they were for him personally. They weren't for anybody else. They were for him personally. And when Daniel came in to unfold the meaning of the words, they weren't for anybody else but for him. It spoke about his kingdom and it spoke about his attitude to God and the it concerned the future as well. Remember I said fit for the future just now? Well, unfortunately, this king wasn't fit for the future because he'd, he wasn't ready. He defied God in his life. But the writing was on the wall. These are the words that were written. Meeny, meeny, tickle, fasting. This is what the words mean, said Daniel. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. And before the day was out, the king had died. What he didn't know, or didn't realise fully, that his kingdom was being taken over by other people. You have, been, you have been weighed in the scales and found wanting. If God put your life in the scales today, how would you feel like? You say, well, I just haven't made it, or I feel that I'm good enough for God. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. So much for that king, but the writing was on the wall. Confused? There's some algebra there, um, or some sort of formula. And I don't think anybody here will be able to interpret that in a way we... You can, what is it, Paul? 
His wife's putting him forward to actually unfold the, you know what it means. But confused. Sometimes when we hear what God says, we're absolutely confused. And we just don't understand it. And that's natural. Because we need someone to reveal it to us. To some, God's writing on the wall is too confusing. I can't see it myself. This love of God and Jesus coming, it just don't seem to make sense to me. Or maybe it's just a blank to you. Just a blank. Just no concept of understanding it whatsoever. And I think Helen might have been in this place. But having come to know Jesus, it's put everything into place. And now it all falls into place. And she now understands. What is it all about? What was the story about? What is it about Helen this morning? Why am I here this morning? It's actually all about getting right with God. That's why we're here. It is all about getting right with God. It's having an answer to give to God. When I stand before him, oh yes, and we will have to stand before him, but having the right answer when we stand before him. I've asked many people, you know, what they might say to God, and they, they say, well, I actually think, I haven't hurt anybody, so I think that, I, I just think I, I can, but I can't be sure about it, but I think I'll be okay. That won't be any good. It's having peace with God and having it right at the core of my being with confidence and assurance. And I saw Helen when she was trying to get across what she said to me. She said, I know it's happened in here. A peace with God in here. You can't explain it. But that's what it's about. Getting right with God and having peace with God and knowing that one day I can stand before him and know I'm okay, that, I, that God will receive me. In a moment, I'm going to give everybody a blank piece of paper. The writing's on the wall. That word of judgment to that king, that was it. God's word was final. God's word was final when Jesus came because he took all our punishment. He took all our sin and it was poured out upon him. We sung about that this morning. And because of that, there's nothing left to do. And the verse in the Bible says this, and it was said to the early Christians in the church in Colossae, and Paul was saying to them, God has cancelled out all the handwriting of ordinances against you. Now for a moment, if I gave you this piece of paper and you would actually write on here all the things that you thought you'd done wrong, all the things you were ashamed of, but I know the paper's not big enough, I know that, um, you cover both sides of the paper, but you say, oh, well, I've told a few white lies, and um, I was angry at some once, once upon a time. I was unfaithful um, to my husband, to my partner, and um, all those things. And gradually, as you work back, you're gradually being reminded of all the things 
all the things that you couldn't account for. But there are deep things within, hurts. Things that we wished we had done something about, but now we can't. I wished I'd treated my mother properly. I wished I'd treated my father properly. I wished I hadn't taken that thing from work and been sacked from my job. I wished, I wished, I wished, I wished. And if we were to think, we'd write down all the things, all our failures. But the one thing about is Jesus, when he died on the cross, it cancelled out everything that we could write about ourselves. It cancelled out everything that God has written about us. It makes it clean. And that's what Helen's found. She's found a reconciliation with God through Jesus, something she could never do herself. Now, just as a statement of Bible truth, I'm going to give you a blank piece of paper and say that's what Jesus has done for you. He's cancelled out everything. would ever keep you from God. Mum for mum too. A clean, blank sheet of paper. You can either thank God for this or forget that it was ever done for you. This is a quiet but a serious moment. Because when Jesus died, darkness came over all the land because it was so important what he did for us. You say, I see nothing on this paper. Precisely. That's what it's all about. I heard a thank you in the corner here. Don't want to waste this time because this is a solemn moment. And God in Christ forgave all our sins. God bless every person. I'll come over that side in a moment. And God's not asking you to write it down. Would you notice there's not even any lines on this paper? because there's nothing planned to be put on it. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. 
Mr. Garth Lizzie, if you come up and just play. I'm going to pray. If you say, I want to receive that forgiveness like Helen's received it this morning, I'm just going to ask you to come with your bit of paper to the front. Be some people to pray with you. It's no good raking up the past because God's dealt with it. He's put it all away behind his back. And he's saying, come to me. Would you like to just stand and we'll pray? Father, we've just looked at a few pictures from the world we live in. So, yes, Lord, we're part of that world. Maybe we've experienced some of the issues. Maybe feel that, yes, self-control is a very hard thing for me. Maybe it's with a habit that you dearly want to give up, but can't find the self-control to do it. Maybe it's like Helen. You just cannot say at the core of your being, I want, I forgive. But God deposited something very powerful into his church. And it was the fact that forgiveness was possible. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you went to the cross for me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you took all my sin. And you brought me to the point of realizing what that meant. That you rose again from the dead. And you're coming again. And we just want to take seriously, Lord, what you've done for us in Jesus. See that the writing's on the wall. And Lord, I pray this morning has an experience in their life that is unanswered unconnected that you give the power of revelation to come to know how wonderful you are and I'm just going to give you that opportunity now to come to come forward you want to say I just want to be saved like Helen was I want to receive that salvation you need to bring your bit of paper because that's telling you that God's done it all there's nothing left to do. It's fine. If you, you feel you don't want to come forward, that's fine. But if you want to do the business with God, to come to him and say, Lord, I just want to receive what Jesus did for me. I can't do it myself. I've struggled for so long. I can't find the answer. I can't find that gap through. I can't find that way through. And I see Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, if you'd like to sit down in the way. 
just to remind you, there's um, coffee and food just out the back there. And we're still available to talk to, talk about the things of God, to help people to find Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here this morning.